continuing the series on the last days um, and today we want to discuss the topic of the third temple that will be rebuilt in the city of Jerusalem but just to recap on uh, the previous teaching just to bring us up to speed we had a look at the geographic location of Israel as it stands on a map today and we did a comparative between that and the borders that our Lord has said Israel will occupy in the last days and we saw that those borders include uh, on a current modern-day map the Gaza Strip, the West Bank, the Golan Heights, southern Lebanon and southwestern Syria and so we said that God will in fact uh, restore uh, those full borders to Israel as we head into the end times and um, we, we touched on the fact that it is in fact uh, the a political and military group called Hezbollah that occupy those particular territories at this point in time and it is feasible that Israel will enter into war with that uh, organization and thus incorporate those territories into her geographic location but uh, again that is purely um, looking at current political events and how they are unfolding currently and tying that back into what God has said with regards to the geographic uh, borders that Israel will occupy in the last days. So they've kind of touched on where, where we dealt with in the previous teaching. Today we want to look at the, the um, prophetic um, word given to us in Scripture very clearly stating that there is uh, this temple that will be rebuilt in the, in the latter days. So the first Scripture we want to open up with is in Hosea um, chapter 3 verses 4 and 5 the scripture says for the children of Israel shall abide many days without king or prince without sacrifice or sacred pillar without ephod or teraphim verse 5 afterward the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king they shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days and so uh, this particular prophetic utterance was given to the prophet when um, Israel was actually in captivity at the time. And our Lord is speaking about what will transpire between that time and until the time that Israel is once again restored to him in uh, serving him. And he says that Israel shall abide many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred pillar, without ephod or teraphim. And so, yeah, our Lord is, is telling Israel that they're going to be, uh, they won't be a sovereign nation anymore for a long time. And he says that you're not going to have a temple anymore for a long time either. Now, when the prophet Hosea gave that prof uh, prophetic utterance, uh, Israel had both a, a king, a prince, and they had their temple at that time. But uh, he was talking futuristically to a time when Israel would have neither a king or prince and neither their temple at the same time. And so we have seen that when God took Israel out of um, the land of Judea, when um, Nebuchadnezzar conquered them in 604 BC, that from that time onwards, Israel has never had a combined um, restoration taking place in that nation when I mean combined restoration um, they've never had a, a prince or king ruling over them and a temple at the same time 
because we saw that when God did restore Israel to the land of um, uh, Judea and to Jerusalem the first time he brought them back, they were able to rebuild their temple, but they were not restored as a sovereign nation. So they never had a king or a prince over them. Um, and that remained in place until uh, that temple was destroyed in AD 70. And then once again, Israel was then dispersed throughout the nations of the earth. The second time that God has uh, brought Israel back into the geographic location of Israel, um, they've had now their king and their prince restored to them because they now are a sovereign nation. And so they have a, a, um, a leader who governs them, but they have not uh, had their temple restored to them. And so that is what uh, this prophetic utterance is actually saying. He says, Israel shall abide many days without king and prince and without sacrifice and sacred pillar, without ephod and teraphim. Now the sacrifice and sacred pillar refers to the temple. The ephod and the teraphim refers to the Levitical priesthood. And the Levitical priesthood um, functions with the temple. So the two are always going to go hand in hand. And so God says in the latter times, what will happen is that um, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. Um, talking about the nation of Israel coming back into um, a relationship with God once again. And again, we, we touched in the series, we said that currently Israel is very secular in, nat in nature. There's a very small uh, portion of the population which are Orthodox Jews and who do observe the Mosaic law, but by and large, Israel as a nation doesn't observe any of the, the uh, law of Moses. And so, <clears throat> in the latter days, the nation will return to the Lord, and in doing that, um, two things are going to be restored to Israel. The one is the, they will have a king and a prince once again, and that is currently in place. There is a government, uh, Israeli government, that governs uh, Jewish affairs. Um, but the temple still has to be uh, restored, and so does the Levitical priesthood have to be restored. Now, when the temple is rebuilt in Israel in the latter days, it's not going to be just that small uh, section of the Orthodox, Orthodox Jews that are going to be responsible for building that temple. The whole nation will um, basically take part in restoring the temple and restoring the Levitical priesthood and at the same time restoring um, the Jewish observance of the Mosaic law. That is something that God will restore to that nation. Um, <clears throat> and so God's going to do both because in that prophetic script uh, utterance, uh, God says that for many days they're going to be without this and so, and then he talks about the end times, then Israel will seek after him. And so he implies very strongly that in the latter times, Israel will once again have a king and a prince over them, and they will once again have their, their um, sacrifice and sacred pillar, and once again they will have the ephod and teraphim. And we did mention the ephod in one of the previous teachings with regards to Israel being able to determine who, in fact, was descended from which tribe, because they're going to have to... Um, allocate out the, the, the geographic location of Israel by a lot to the tribes. And so we said they will consult the Urim and the Thummim at that time in order to, to, to determine just who, which Jew belongs to which tribe so that they can um, uh, allocate out those uh, geographic locations by a lot.
And so that prophetic utterance, which was given oh, um, uh, about 3,000 years ago again, um, is very clearly indicating to us that uh, this is what God is going to do in the latter times. And then we look at the prophet Ezekiel. Um, again, I, I dealt with it, if you read uh, Ezekiel 40 to 47, the Lord gives that prophet uh, a very detailed breakdown of the uh, picture of what Israel will look like in the latter days. And um, in part of that detailed breakdown, the Lord does describe <coughs> the temple that will be in place in, that, in, that, in the latter days. And he gives a very detailed description of the temple. But a, a passage of scripture I want to look at today, which also pertains to the temple, is in Ezekiel 45, verse 1 to 3. Uh, God speaking, the scripture says, Moreover, when you divide the land by lot into inheritance, you shall set apart a district for the Lord. And so the Lord is just kind of giving us a, a timeline here because we said that um, before the temple is rebuilt, uh, Israel will first divide that whole geographic location by lot. And so it's not a case of the temple is going to be rebuilt and then uh, Israel will uh, take on board the rest of the territories that still have to be added to her. Um, the timeline of God is very clear. First, all of the Jews will be brought back into that geographic location. Then her territory is increased. Then she um, embraces Mosaic law and Israel will then uh, allocate out the territory by lot. Now, when they do that, it's only at that time that the territory that is allocated for the area of the temple to be rebuilt, that is when this will take place. So we can see the timeline of God in this issue. Uh, going back again, he says, Moreover, when you divide the land <coughs> by lot into inheritance, you shall set apart a district for the Lord, a holy section of the land. Its length shall be 25,000 cubits, and its width with 10,000. It shall be holy throughout its territory all around. Of this there shall be a square plot for the sanctuary, 500 by 500 rods, with 50 cubits around it for an open space. So this is the district you shall measure, 25,000 cubits long and 10,000 wide. It shall be the sanctuary, in it, sorry, shall be the sanctuary, the most holy place. And so God is giving uh, the Jews a very clear guideline as to the area that they're to demarcate off within Israel that will pertain to the holy place. And within it, the sanctuary is going to be placed. And uh, there he talks about uh, 500 by 500 rods and then the 50 uh, rods around, uh, cubits around for an open space. So that is the, the space allocated within Israel for the construction of their temple. And so again, all of the other um, incidents must be in place before this incident takes place, and that is the construction of the temple. And so the temple will not be built in, the, in Israel um, until she divides her land up by lot because she then knows and understands what portion she is to give over to God and to the Levitical priesthood so that they can actually serve the Lord um, at that time. And you'd have to go through it and read it again, as I say, in more detail, Ezekiel 40 to 47, except for those 12 verses in chapter 47, verse 1 to 12, 
uh, pertains to the millennial reign of Christ. But the rest of it all pertains to what Israel will be like in the latter days, the ordinances that they will follow after, um, you know, all of the, the way that they'll govern the nation, the way that the, the, the nation will be uh, allocated out um, geographically. All of it is very detailed in that uh, particular vision given to the prophet Ezekiel. And so that's God again just saying, guys, when you do split up the land, this is the portion that you have to give over to me. And within that portion, there's this area for the sanctuary where they will build the temple. God has already um, mapped it out, basically. And so when our Lord Jesus was on the earth, <clears throat> he prophesied about the, um, the third temple that would have to be built as well. He, he spoke about the second temple that he was standing in at that time. Let's just look at uh, the passage of Scripture in Luke tw chapter 21, verse 5 and 6. Uh, the Scripture says, then, some, then as some spoke of the temple and how it was adorned with beautiful stones and donations, he said, These things which you see, the days will come in which not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. And so when our Lord was, uh, made this comment, he was actually standing inside the second temple that had been built when the Jews came back from captivity out of Babylon. Now Herod had refurbished that temple, and it, it was pretty magnificent in its day. But our Lord said to the Jews who were trying to you know, brag about the temple, he said, you know, guys, this is going to be destroyed. There's not going to be one stone left upon another. And so our Lord... Uh, prophesied about that temple uh, going to be destroyed. Now that we do know happened in the year AD 70. That is, and we dealt with it in the previous teachings, uh, Judea rebelled against the rule of Rome in AD 66. Um, and there was that four year period where Rome uh, was re-establishing her, her reign over Judea, eventually invaded Jerusalem, the city, and destroyed it completely and destroyed the, that temple. And then the Jews were then, oh, well, a whole bunch of them were slaughtered at that time, and the rest, all of them, were taken into captivity and then dispersed throughout the earth. But when our Lord was in that city in Jerusalem, and he was telling the guys in the, in the temple, this temple is going to be destroyed. At the same time, our Lord also prophesied about the next temple that would be built after that. Because he'd just gotten through, and if you, we will get into the accounts in a bit more detail in another uh, teaching later on. The, the gospel accounts of Mark and Matthew of the end times that our Lord gave, um, they would be in Mark 13 and Matthew 24. Those are exactly the, the, the exact same accounts. That's when our Lord was on the Mount of Olives and some of the disciples approached him and said, you know, please explain to us the end times. Uh, it was Peter, James, John, and I think Andrew was there. And the Lord spoke to them. So Mark's account and Matthew's account are the same accounts recorded just slightly differently when our Lord spoke on the Mount of Olives. But Luke's account of our Lord speaking about the end times is when our Lord was actually in the temple. And that's why when our Lord opens up his account in Luke 21, um, they are pointing to the temple. And our Lord says, um, you know, these stones, not, not one stone is going to be left upon another. Now, at that moment, the Jews around him said, well, wait a minute, what, when, when's this going to happen? 
and then our Lord goes on to expound what will take what would happen to the city of Jerusalem and the temple uh, that they were in at that time and then he goes on to talk about the end times as well and so in Luke's account our Lord is talking about the destruction of the second temple um, in Matthew and Mark's account our Lord is prophesying about the third temple and so that's why people because Luke's account and Mark and Matthew's account is so similar people tend to think it's the same account it's not um, and we're not going to get into that in any kind of detail today but nevertheless if you understand that there are two separate accounts then you can understand what the Lord is actually saying because in Mark's account and Matthew's is exactly the same our Lord says, so when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not, then in brackets the, the writer says, let the reader understand. Then, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Now, in Luke's account, our Lord speaks about let those who are in Judea and Jerusalem flee to the mountains. And so people think that, okay, what our Lord was saying in Mark and Matthew's account is that he was speaking about the same incident that he spoke about in Luke's account but that's not the case in Luke's account uh, our Lord was speaking and prophesying about the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70 when the, the Roman army would come in and completely destroy that temple and obviously the Jews um, would be then taken into captivity in Mark and Matthew's account when our Lord speaks about the abomination of desolation he's speaking about this event taking place in the third temple that is yet to be built. In Luke's account, the Lord mentions nothing about the abomination of desolation. It's only in Mark and Matthew's account that our Lord does. And the reason being is that in AD 70, there was no abomination of desolation that stood in the temple. Um, that temple was just destroyed. The Roman army went in there and they completely burnt it to the ground. They didn't go there and... Um, desecrate the temple they destroyed the temple what our Lord was referring to in Mark's account Mark 13 14 and also in Matthew 24 when he says when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing where it ought not let the reader understand the scripture says there our Lord is talking about the Antichrist standing in the temple of God now <clears throat> that will only happen at the end of the age. That did not happen in AD 70. There was no Antichrist that stood in the temple. That temple was just completely destroyed by the Roman army. They, in fact, the, the general tried to prevent them from uh, destroying the temple, but they just went completely um, berserk and he couldn't hold them back and they destroyed that temple completely. And so <clears throat> that's where there is some confusion because, as I say, people look at our Lord's comment in Mark and Matthew's account, and they, they equate that to AD 70, and it's not. Our Lord was not talking about AD 70 there at all. In Luke's account, definitely, our Lord was very specific. He said, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, know that her destruction is near. That was AD 70. The Roman army surrounded Jerusalem, and they completely destroyed it. But again, Mark's account and Matthew's account, our Lord is prophesying about the temple that is yet to be built and what will take place in the latter times. And he says when the, that event that Daniel spoke about called the abomination of desolation, when that takes place, then the guys in Judea need to flee because 
um, there's going to be great persecution, I'm paraphrasing, that will break out in, in Judea at that time. And so there are two separate events. Luke's account is talking about AD 70. Matthew and Mark's account is talking about the end of the age. Two different temples. And so the end of the age, the Antichrist will stand in a temple. And that's the, what our Lord was prophesying about when he said, um, uh, so when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in where it ought not. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. And that the scripture says, let the reader understand. Now why the scripture says, let the reader understand, is because we need to understand that there are these two different uh, events and we're not to get confused between the two because that's where the confusion does lie in a lot of people's minds. Now even with regards to the abomination of desolation that Daniel saw, uh, God actually showed him two events called the abomination of desolation. Daniel in chapter 11 saw the one event which occurred in the year 163 BC and then in chapter 12 uh, Daniel saw the event that is referring to the Antichrist. So in, in both visions given to the prophet Daniel, he sees um, two desecrations of the temple taking place. Um, and he calls both of them an abomination of desolation. And the first one we can pick up, well, the one that pertains to the end times, which our Lord was referring to, is in Daniel chapter 12, verse 11. The scripture says, And from the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away, and the abomination of desolation is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Now that 1,290 days is the reign of the Antichrist. That is three and a half years. And so the one that our Lord was referring to in Mark and Matthew's account is when the Antichrist stands in the temple. That temple is going to be there physically. Um, and he sets up his reign from that temple for a period of 1,290 days, three and a half years. And we've looked at it briefly, um, that, that is the period given to the Antichrist when he can reign on the earth. But the other account that Daniel saw of the abomination of desolation taking place is in uh, uh, Daniel chapter 11, verse 31. And there he, this is that account. The scripture says, And forces shall be mustered by him, and they shall defile the sanctuary forces. Then they shall take away the daily sacrifices and place there the abomination of desolation. Um, just hold your th that particular point. Let's go back to uh, Daniel 12, 11. It talks about, and, um, and from, that, from the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away. So again, getting to the end of the age again, now when the Antichrist uh, comes on board, uh, the Jewish temple will be in place. They will be observing Mosaic law and the daily sacrifice will be taking place in their temple. Now when he, uh, the Antichrist uh, comes in on the scene, and we get, we're not touching in any kind of depth today, he stops that daily sacrifice from happening. And so from that point, for three and a half years, he sets up his reign in the temple. So that is what Daniel is seeing in Daniel chapter 12, verse 11. That's pertaining to the end time event of the des abomination of desolation. Then in Daniel chapter 11, verse 31, Daniel is seeing um, an event that, that was futuristic for him. It's, it's historic for us. He sees the first um, 
defiling of the temple, that, that second temple that was built, um, which was still to be built in Daniel's day, but which was built in the year 450 BC, which Herod then refurbished, which is the temple that our Lord stood in when he was on the earth. Um, and so Daniel is seen in uh, chapter 11, verse 31, he's seen the desecration of that temple taking place in the year 163 BC. Now what happened um, in that year is that there was this uh, Syrian king, Antiochus, and I'll get this pronunciation right, Antiochus Epiphanes. Uh, I've had an epiphany, okay. Epiphanes, uh, he invaded Jerusalem in that year, well, 165 BC, and, and then 163 BC is when the, the cleansing took, take pla takes place. So he invades Jerusalem and um, he desecrates that temple because what he does is that he places an image of Zeus in the temple and he actually sacrifices a pig on the altar. And that all actually did occur. That's an historical account. You can go read it up in history books. Um, and he did that in the year 165 BC. Now that's when the Maccabee revolt takes place. And again, this again, this is uh, Jewish history. It's in historical records. They um, defeated him and they kick him out. And the Jews at that time cleansed that temple. And they introduced when they cleansed that temple because that temple had now been defiled. Again, go back to. I'm just going to jump quickly back to AD 70. The temple is not defiled in AD 70. The temple is destroyed in AD 70. So there's a different scenario completely. But in AD 6, BC 165, uh, the temple was defiled. It still stood in place when the Maccabees came. A revolt happened, and they took this uh, Syrian king out of Israel, and they reintroduced the temple. Uh, worship once again. Now when they did that, they cleansed that temple because it had been defiled, it had been desecrated. And so when they cleansed that temple, what happened was, is that there was an, another Jewish feast that was added to the Jewish calendar called the, um, the Feast of Dedication. Now that Feast of Dedication was implemented in 163 BC. And that Feast of Dedication is a, is, is a feast that is acknowledged by God. Um, because even when our Lord Jesus was in the earth, he went to the temple on that, uh, during that feast to celebrate that feast. And we can pick that up in John chapter 10, verse 22 to 23. Scripture says, Now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter, and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. So our Lord was there at that dedication, but he was at that feast of dedication. But that is a, an annual feast. The Jews observe it. It falls within roughly in December. So it's very similar to um, the Christian uh, calendar of uh, Christmas, basically. But it, it's the Jewish calendar. And that feast is recognized by the Lord. And as you get to the end time prophetic utterances, uh, that feast is very prominent in the return of the Lord, but we're not going to get into that in any kind of depth today. But the point that I wanted to make here is that Daniel gets shown two abominations of desolations. He sees the one in chapter 11 and he sees the other one in chapter 12. The one that he sees in chapter 11, um, it's a whole description, um, historical account of all things that take place in Israel over a period of time. We're not going to get that into that in any kind of depth. 
But in, that's why it says, and forces shall be mustered by him, and they shall defile the sanctuary forces, and then they shall take away the daily sacrifices and place the abomination of desolation. And so when that Syrian king invaded, he took away the daily sacrifices, he set up his image of Zeus, and he offered a, a pig on the altar. And so that temple had been desecrated. Um, and it had to be cleansed. And that's exactly what happened. The Maccabees re revolted and they cleansed that temple and that feast of dedication was introduced into the Jewish calendar and has been observed ever since. Uh, they still, they, they call it the, the, I think the Feast of Lights or something like that. Um, but it's still been uh, uh, observed on the Jewish calendar today. It's one of their feasts that they religiously observe. And as I said, our Lord acknowledged that feast as well. And that feast does um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It does play a role in the last days, and we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that further on down the line. So, again, people get confused because they see these two abominations of desolation that Daniel sees in chapter 11 and chapter 12, and they think it's the same, fee, uh, same abomination, but it's not. It's two different ones. And so again, unless you rightly divide the Word of God, the Word of God gets very confusing, and people get themselves all tied up in a knot. Because they say, okay, well now, they try and bring 1131, that abomination of desolation, into the future. And they try and think that, okay, well, there's, because it talks about the king of the south invading and the king of the north invading and all of these wars taking place. And so they think, okay, well, now they're trying to tie that up with modern day events. And it doesn't tie up at all because the king of the south is Egypt and Africa. And Africa is not going to invade into Israel and all that kind of stuff. But anyway. I'll leave the other guys to, who try to get confused in themselves. But 1131 is talking about the first abomination of desolation in BC 163. And that's when the Feast of Dedication was introduced to the Jewish calendar, which, as I say, God acknowledged, and Jesus attended that feast in Jerusalem himself. Now, <clears throat> the second one that uh, Daniel refers to is the end time abomination of desolation. That is now the Antichrist when he does his thing for three and a half years. Uh, he sets up his reign for three and a half years. And that is why in Mark and Matthew's account, when they talk about the abomination of desolation, the Holy Spirit puts in brackets there, let the reader understand. Don't get confused about these. Um, and so there are three basic accounts of this kind of thing happening. The first one is when the, uh, the first abomination of desolation takes place. BC 163, BC 165, that's what happens in 165, 163, the temple is cleansed and that feast of dedication is introduced to the Jewish calendar. Then we have the AD 70 account when the temple is destroyed completely. So it's not desecrated, it doesn't get cleansed after that, it gets completely destroyed. And our Lord prophesied about that in Luke's gospel account, Luke chapter 21. Then our Lord refers to then the third temple, which is still to be built, and he then ties that up with uh, Daniel's um, vision in chapter 12, verse 11, where he sees again the abomination of desolation taking place. So it's that third temple that is, de is defiled at that time, and that temple has to be cleansed. And we dealt with it earlier on in the in these series of teachings. The angel asked the, the other angel, when will the temple be cleansed? And he spoke about 2,300 days. And I've dealt with that. From the time that the Antichrist desecrates that temple, the third temple, until our Lord comes and cleanses that temple, 2,300 days will elapse. And so that's just how it all ties in. And it all does tie in. You know, God's not confused about anything. Um, he knows exactly what he's doing. 
And so <clears throat> that's how we can get the two. There are two different abomination of desolations that Daniel sees at two different times, one in 163, 65 BC, and the other one he sees at the end of the age. The uh, Lord speaks about only one abomination of desolation, obviously only speaks about the one at the end of the age, because the one that happened in 165 BC was before our Lord's time, on the earth that is. Um, but our Lord does speak about the, the temple that he was standing in being destroyed in AD 70. And so you have to understand all three different uh, events, or all three different events, they're not the same event. If you try and tie them all together, then you get yourself horribly confused and nothing makes sense in the Bible anymore. Prophetically, that is. Okay, so <clears throat> when our Lord... Um, was on the earth, so he, 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 he prophesied about this third temple because our Lord said that that's what's going to happen, guys. This, the, the abomination of desolation is going to be taking place in the temple. So our Lord had just told the guys the temple is going to be destroyed, but nevertheless the temple will be there. And so he's talking about the temple in the very last days. And then the Apostle Paul talks about that same temple. In 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 3 and 4, he says, Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now, the Apostle Paul, in this passage of Scripture, is dealing with the end times. He has to, because there's been some weird teaching that's coming to the church in Thessalonica that uh, the resurrection's passed. And so Paul has to deal with the issue. He says, guys, it hasn't passed. Um, the day of the Lord has not come. This still has to happen. He says, I'm reminding you. I told you this when I was with you. And he said, what has to happen is the falling away has to happen first. And we'll, we'll deal with that as we get through the series. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, that is the Antichrist. The Antichrist has a number of uh, different titles given to him. He's called the beast, he's called the Antichrist, he's called the son of perdition, he's called the lawless one, he's called uh, the uh, uh, man of sin. And so he has different titles given to him. Um, and that is, what, that is who Paul is referring to in his letter to the church in Thessalonica. So he says, guys, the end time won't come until this guy pitches. All right? And he opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God and that is worshipped, so that he sits as God where? In the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now, the temple that the Apostle Paul was referring to in his letter to Thessalonica was the temple that was in place at that time. Well, that temple had, was only destroyed in AD 70. This letter was written roughly about AD 55 or so. So it's about 15, 10 years maybe, no longer than 10 years. Um, no, in fact, at least 15 years before that temple was destroyed. So that temple was in existence, and the whole world knew about that temple. It wasn't a temple that no one knew about. Everybody knew about the Jewish temple in Jerusalem. And the Jews definitely knew about it. Um, and so Paul talks about that temple. And so when he says that this guy is going to set himself up as God in that temple, every churchgoer who reads that letter immediately thinks, okay, well, that's the temple that Paul's talking about. Paul is talking about that temple. Now, again, you get a lot of 
uh, Christians who say, no, the temple that he's talking about is the church itself, because we know that we are the temple of God, the spiritual temple of God. But that's not what Paul's talking about at all. The Antichrist is not coming out of the church. Um, so again, you see, when you start trying to uh, get things confused in Scripture, things get very confused. Now, the Apostle Paul is talking about the physical temple. Now, he wasn't talking about the temple still to be built. He was just talking about the temple. And because he, everybody knew that what that temple was, that's the temple that their minds were focused on. Um, and so that is the temple that the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, is teaching the church will be in place when the Antichrist, when the son of perdition, the son of this man of sin, uh, he, when he sits, he will sit in that physical temple. So although that temple has subsequent, subsequently, the one that Paul was speaking about, has subsequently been destroyed, the word of God stands the same, in that the, the son of perdition will sit in that temple, telling us very plainly that temple is once again going to be rebuilt. The third Jewish temple will be rebuilt. Now, we have more scripture along that line, and that is in Revelation chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. All of these scriptures are just showing us very clearly that the Jews will once again rebuild their temple. And God has said it in the New Testament as well, that this is what's going to happen. Jesus prophesied it would be there. Paul spoke about what would happen when that temple is there, and that the Antichrist himself will sit in that temple. The book of Revelation 11, 1 and 2 this is the vision given to the Apostle John also about that temple. And he says, Then I was given a reed like a measuring rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God, the altar, and those who worship there. But leave out the court which is outside the temple, and do not measure it, for it has been given to the Gentiles, and they will tread the holy city underfoot for forty-two months. And so, when the Apostle John receives this vision, the timeline is also very important because John the Apostle uh, is 90 years old at this time. We know that he's on the island of Patmos. He's been banished there because he preached the gospel. He dies of old age on the island of Patmos. So when he receives this vision from the Lord, um, the year is AD 90. Now, what had happened in AD 70? The temple in the city of Jerusalem had been destroyed. The Apostle John knew that um, because he wasn't uh, cut out from society. He knew that Jerusalem had been destroyed, that the temple had been destroyed, and that Israel had been scattered throughout the earth. Twenty years later, the Lord gives him this vision, and in the vision, John looks at a temple, and God shows him the temple, and God gives him a measuring rod and says, I want you to go measure this temple. And so it's a physical temple that John is seeing, and he physically measures it. He doesn't give us any dimensions, but uh, nevertheless, that's what the Holy Spirit showed him. So the Apostle John is looking at a temple that is not yet in existence, because the temple that used to be there is gone, and the temple he's looking at hasn't yet been built, because that temple is the temple that will be constructed at the end of the age by the Jews. Why do we say that? Because he says... Do not measure the out, outer court, for it has been given to the Gentiles, and they will tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months. That's speaking about the reign of the Antichrist. He will reign over the earth for 42 months from that temple. The Apostle Paul said he will sit in that temple, declaring to the whole world that he is God. 
And so <clears throat> that's the temple that the Apostle John is shown in the book of Revelation, which doesn't exist at this point in time. But it, nevertheless, it was there when John was shown it in the year 90 AD. And so that temple is still to be built. And we know that the Antichrist will uh, be in that temple reigning and speaking blasphemy in Revelation 13.5. The scripture says, And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for 42 months. And so that's the 42 months that the temple will be, um, that the Holy City will be trampled underfoot under the Antichrist. That's still to happen. It hasn't happened yet. It will happen. Um, and then our Lord again in Ezekiel 43. We're going to just touch on some parts of Ezekiel um, because it, it's, it's pertinent to the temple that has to be rebuilt. Ezekiel 43, verse 10 to 11. God speaking again. He says, Son of man, describe the temple to the house of Israel, that they may be ashamed of their iniquities, and let them measure the pattern. And if they are ashamed of all that they have done, make known to them the design of the temple and its arrangement, its exits and its entrances, its entire design and all its ordinances, all its forms and all its laws. Write it down in their sight so that they may keep its whole design and all its ordinances and perform them. And so <clears throat> God is very specific in his vision to uh, the prophet Ezekiel about this temple. And he says you need to give it uh, to the Jews in complete uh, breakdown so that they can know its design. Um, why? So that they can build it correctly. But he talks about also the ordinances that they had to keep, the forms and the laws that they had to keep. Um, and so <clears throat> God is very specific about how the Jews are to approach this thing, um, in that they are going to give themselves over completely to following after the Lord in doing this. And so as I said uh, pretty much at the outset, it's not going to be a small section of the Jewish population that will then because it's the Orthodox Jews, the ultra-Orthodox Jews at the moment, who are really um, pushing to have their temple built once again. But the time is not right, but it will happen. Um, but it's not only going to be that segment of the Jewish population that will be instrumental in having this temple rebuilt. It will be the whole nation. That whole nation will turn once again to God. Uh, to observe the Mosaic law and reintroduce uh, the Levitical priesthood and re rebuild the temple. And they will be, as a nation, uh, um, embracing the law of Moses once again. So, you know, it's, it's a very profound uh, change that's going to take place in the nation of Israel. Because as I said uh, on numerous occasions in this teaching thus far, the current nation of Israel is actually quite uh, um, godless, really. Um, you know, there's a, you know, I think they actually boast about the fact that they have one of the largest uh, gay and lesbian uh, parades that they have in, in Israel. I think it's in Tel Aviv they do it. Um, so, you know, they, they kind of boast about how liberal they are and how, you know, free they are in accepting all of these different um, ways that mankind is, is going down, the lawlessness of man at the moment. And so there's going to be a complete about turn in the nation and the nation will once again uh, turn to God. Now when that does happen and the temple is now going to be rebuilt, I did mention that God said the whole mountain is for him. Uh, and so we can pick it up in Ezekiel 43 verse 12. 
Uh, this is God speaking again. He says, this is the law of the temple. The whole area surrounding the mountaintop is most holy. Behold, this is the law of the temple. And so, again, we've discussed the fact that we, on that physical geographic location, currently we have the Dome of the Rock and we have the al Husk uh, Mosque. Um, and God's not going to build his temple next door to that. Uh, those shrines are going to go. Because he says very clearly, and he, God spoke about this 3,000 years ago, and God knows what he's talking about. He says, the whole area surrounding the mountaintop is most holy. And so that, those shrines will go. Um, and when the temple is rebuilt, it'll be the only temple on that mountain because God has said that whole mountain is holy to him most holy God calls it and so <clears throat> that's exactly what will transpire in the end days is that that temple will be built on that location on its own there will no, no longer be these um, uh, Islamic shrines that, that are there currently they will be done away with and again, our Lord just re-emphasized this truth, and we dealt with it already in Luke 24, uh, 21, verse 24. Uh, our Lord says, And they will fall by the edge of the sword, and be led away captive into all nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the time that the Gentiles, times of the Gentiles, are fulfilled. And so we said that as we draw closer to the end of the age, the time of the times of the Gentiles will draw to a close, and the Jewish uh, time will then take over. Israel will take over again on the, on the calendar of God, basically. Um, and it's at that time that the Jerusalem will no longer be trampled underfoot by Gentiles. Now, knowing that three and a half year period, the scripture says very plainly, they will, Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles. That's under the reign of the Antichrist. But we're talking before that reign kicks in. There's going to be this time when Jerusalem will completely be under control of uh, the Jews and the Gentiles won't be there. We discussed in the previous uh, teaching that currently the population of Israel, uh, Jews in Jerusalem is 60%, 40% Gentile. So that city is still being trodden underfoot by Gentiles. That's going to change. There will be 100% Jewish occupation of the city of Jerusalem and it's at that time that this temple will be rebuilt in the city of Jerusalem. And so it's very clear in Scripture that one of the most clear signs given to the world, really, um, and specifically to the church, because the church is the one who really will watch out for the signs and understand them as they unfold, that our Lord is re returning very soon. Because when we see that temple built, you know, it's pretty going to be in, in the face of everyone. No one else will, no one will be able to deny it anymore. And so those people who talk about spiritual Israel and all that and being used by the Antichrist, uh, they'll look at that temple and they'll change their, uh, well, I suppose they won't. But anyway, this temple will re be rebuilt. Um, but there's a, a number of things that have to take place before that happens. But uh, very clearly, very definitely, our Lord prophesied about it. De uh, the Apostle Paul spoke about it. The uh, prophet Ezekiel uh, described it. Uh, the Apostle John saw it and measured it. Um, and, you know, we have all of this evidence in Scripture telling us that this temple will be in place. Uh, the Apostle, uh, the prophet Daniel uh, saw a vision of it when he saw the abomination of desolation in it. And so, you know, God has just put it out there that this third temple will be built. And we're going to end the teaching on that point today. Amen.